Everybody and welcome to Rank It. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a long time. Indeed. Like a year. Yeah. Since like, the top ten, I think. Yeah, I think since the Academy Awards. I think we've only done like seven individual episodes of Rank It. It used to be a feature. Uh, anyway, this uh, week since we did Ace Ventura, we're gonna do um, we're gonna do that thing, uh, uh, Jim Carrey performances. I guess I'll start with my number seven, which is, uh, I think it's a 94, my 95, 96, uh, The Mask, because uh, I modeled my life after Stanley Ipkiss for the better part of my adolescence and uh, then part of my young adulthood and maybe still to some extent this day. He's got just very sad puppy dog eyes. He's a nice guy. Tries to be a nice guy. Um, uh, never says his, his real things to people. And he just holds it in. And then, then he gets this mask and he can do anything. I don't know. It's a really good performance. All right. Well, um, number my number seven is Lemony Snicket, um, the uh, series of unfortunate events or whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember really liking this movie and thinking he was really good in the role, and he has some great moments of verisimilitude. Anyway, Brady, your number seven. My number seven. Uh, it's a movie we watched recently. Uh, and I almost felt weird about putting it this low at first, except that, you know, I think there's a temptation to regard early and also very representative performances as the best, uh, when maybe they're not necessarily. So I'm going to go Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Uh, like I said in the cast, it is an early example that reflects very much what Carrie's career would become, and it's got its moments. But I think... The better performances are maybe where he gets a little more focused. Uh, but then this is, let me just say this up front. I like Jim Carrey a lot, but where Rob love loves him, I'm going to be the like annoying scientist with glasses and a cinnamon toast crunch commercial to this. And be like, I don't get it. He doesn't fill out his form I-7 tax report. What is this Jim Carrey character? So I think he does do his taxes, though. <laughs> I'm sure he does. He's a good guy. I like Jim Carrey. As a guy, and I like a lot of his performances, but I I think this is what I'll tend to is maybe I prefer him with a little more direction, um, and so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go number seven. It's I like Ace Ventura as a, a lot of the performance stuff, even if the movie didn't age so well in this cast. So that's number seven. All right, uh, my number six is uh, I Love You, Philip Morris, the film he did in the. It must have been like 2010 or something like that with, um, I believe, uh, Jude Law. Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. You're correct. It's Ewan McGregor. Um, Sorry, I get those two confused. Um, Even though one's got a whiter face. 
but uh, <laughs> no. Scottish or something. Yeah, no, it was good. It was uh, an excellent portrayal of I love you. I'm manic. I'm crazy. I love you. I'm cool. I'm no. I'm, yeah, I'm uh, yes. Um, very good use of Jim Carrey in that. I don't know if it ever did it ever really come out here. Or yeah, like, no, it totally know. did. Okay, yeah. because I for, never saw it. Like Maddie and I saw it like four years ago or something like that. Like bef- it just happened to be a limited screening and it wasn't actually released when it was supposed to be, and it was in limbo with distribution and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, uh, that's my number six. Yeah, I regret that I haven't seen that yet. I hear good things. My number six is Dumb and Dumber. Because Dumb and Dumber. Um, Do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? (coughs) I was going to say that nobody did. Moving on. Okay, moving on. Uh, My number six is The Mask. Uh, a movie I I guess I don't like quite as much as you guys, but I I mean I don't think it's possible to miss its virtues. It's pretty clear about what it's going for. This is Jim Carrey, as Tess would put it, I think, going through the Tex Avery canon, uh, basically being <coughs> Looney Tunes. He's a living Looney Tunes, and you know I like that. Um, I don't I don't maybe I don't like the Ipkiss as much. I almost. This is going to sound sacrilegious because of how much this guy sucks these days, but I almost prefer like Eddie Murphy's Nutty Professor in terms of a sad sack mm-hmm. character to the Ipkiss. Uh, but I you know, I like The Mask. The Mask is fun. It's The Mask is what The Mask is. Anyone who's seen The Mask knows The Mask. The Mask. Uh, good performance. Excellent use of physical comedy. Uh, don't like it as much as a movie, but still good. My number five is Andy Believes, but a man on the moon, man on the moon. Yeah, so that's my number five. Uh, Excellent performance. He became that role. I remember watching behind the scenes stuff when they were like, you know, during the filming, we couldn't really talk to Jim. We had to talk to Andy. It was annoying. So anyway, that's my number five. Maybe my seventh should have been Man on the Moon because Man on the Moon is not on any of my lists. And I really did like Man on the Moon. But, um, so I guess it's up there with Lemony Snicket. Anyway, um, my number, what are we on, number five? My number five is Liar Liar because I remember growing up with this movie. And there's nothing funnier to me. Like, like, so there are so many times where we were talking about quoting, uh, um, freaking Ace Ventura and stuff and like the thing that I quote the most as a film of Jim Carrey is Liar Liar where like how many times a day do I go <sighs> like I'm taking this <sighs> like I do that all the time all the time and like um it's just it's just a movie that I find infinitely quotable and also like that cult of Jim Carrey just like they just kind of handed him a skeleton script and he beat himself in the up in the bathroom and did whatever the fuck he felt like. And that is just so exactly what I expect from a Jim Carrey movie. And that's the one. Um, so yeah, number five is liar, liar. Okay. Uh, number five for me is the Fairley brothers, me, myself and Irene. Ooh, I forgot about that one. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think it's not a perfect movie, but I like what Carrie does in it. And I, I don't know, like, I guess, yeah, I'll, I'll hammer on the theme, and I don't want to seem like too much of a wet blanket, but the more structure he has, the better. I think a lot of these movies do get good stuff out of him by letting him run wild, but I think a pinch of, uh, of like, a thing to actually go for helps, which is, I think, 
one of the things that was problematic about Ace Ventura on this watching is like, what is the character? He's just weird and that's it. And he likes animals. Uh, so this one, at least he gets to play nice guy and deranged guy. And for me, it's actually a more effective incarnation of that than the mask is mm-hmm. um, more interesting in terms of its physicality, if anything, because he at least gets to event invent for himself rather than just going off the Looney Tunes template. Uh, so, yeah, me, myself and Irene. Very good. What are we on? Four? Four. Okay, this one's kind of a film. It's uh, more of a short film. But it's the uh, the uh, the music video he released with the backing track by the Eels called Cold Dead Hand, where he makes uh, fun of Charlton Heston and uh, Hee Haw. And it, it was <laughs> phenomenal because, I mean, like, A, <coughs> he's a hell of a singer, and B... Yeah, it was just kind of like, I haven't done anything for a while. I'm going to do a funnier or die video. Fuck it. Let's do it. It was great. All right. Um, number four, uh, The Cable Guy. And I feel like a lot of people, I'm, I'm always surprised to hear how few people have seen The Cable Guy. Um, and I saw it, I remember, in a um, drive-in theater. And it was the second feature, probably with like Casper or something like that. I don't really remember. But um, I really remember loving this movie. And I saw it several times. And it's a, it's probably one of the first like dark comedies that I ever saw. And it really stuck with me. Um, as Rob will tell you, um, it was originally written for Chris Farley. But... It was originally written for Chris Farley? Yes, as he's telling you now. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's, and and you can kind of see that when you watch it, but it's just, it's so creepy and weird and it's unlike anything I've seen Jim Carrey do. Like it, it, it really is a strange film to watch, but I always really, really liked it and how scary and freaked out I was by watching this person just basically stalk another guy. Like it's just... It's just so weird and so funny and so unexpected. And I really, really liked The Cable Guy in its, in its darkness. Um, so Cable Guy, number four. Great. All right, number four, uh, and I am going to echo Tess on this, I think, is uh, Liar Liar, which I feel, yes, uh, if we're going for the Carrie who is of the elastic face, and you let him off his leash and let him color up a skeleton script and actually run the film, uh, I think that's basically the best bang for buck you get. This is Tom Shadiak again, who directed uh, Ace Ventura and ended up directing Bruce Almighty. And I think this is, uh, particularly given the fact that I think Liar Liar is kind of a terrible script and has some of the same problems Bruce Almighty has, mainly I think is that Tom Shadiak is a sentimental fuck. And if he had his way, it would just be like, I love my kids, I love my family bullshit. I think Carrie really helps to elevate that into something funny uh, in a way that I think Bruce Almighty, he gets overpowered by the sentimentality. But here it really works. And yeah, it's some of the most quotable shit uh, that, that's out there and some of the funniest lines that Carrie comes up with. So yeah, that's yeah, liar, liar. Uh, <coughs> Are we on number three now? Yeah, it's Liar Liar. <laughs> For all the things that Brady said. And also because 
I guess my favorite part in that movie is either the pen is blue part. Yeah. Or or that. the part where he's like driving like a crazy asshole and he gets pulled over and he gives off the list of infractions that he's just gone through. And I always think I'm just like, you know, you don't have to be a liar to not know all the traffic laws. You could You're just... incorrect. The best part is where he beats up himself. In oh, the yeah. That, that one's pretty good, too. And then and he tries to describe himself, and then they're like, "Well, I guess we can call this uh, this this uh, you know session off or whatever, unless you feel like you can proceed." And he goes, ah, "No, I think I can." <laughs> and like you know, totally fucks up his own idea to like yeah. get out of this. Because he cannot lie about, like, well, I didn't beat myself up bad enough to not be able to do this. Do you think he could proceed? Yeah. Yes! Yeah, no. no, I can! I can! (laughs) It's so good. Yeah, that's good. So that's your number three? Yeah, what's your number three? Well, I want to preface my number three by saying, with my top three, I'm actually getting into a series of films that I can very very deeply relate with and i think that anybody who is watching them can and um keeping that in mind um, my number three is the mask and i find the mask very very deeply relatable um i rewatched it maybe five years ago and uh found it to hold up in a way that ace ventura did not um and, and that's largely because Stanley Ipkiss is such a relatable person. It's like he's just, he's, he's so well-meaning and trying so hard. And, you know, he does these things that all of us do. Like, for example, I was talking earlier about how um, in Ace Ventura, you have the landlord come and accost, you know, Ace about his rent or whatever. And he's just being kind of a giant dick at him. Whereas in The Mask, you know, he goes like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's that's fine. And then, you know, she leaves and he comes up with the perfect barb 10 seconds later and goes, I should have said that. You know, and like he's this person that we, we all find really relatable that, that can never find his, his ab- ability to get back at these people that are constantly fucking with him. And he finds this mask. He finds this thing that he can put on so that he is not himself anymore. And he can do all of these things that he just really deeply needs to be able to do. And he's doing these things that he, th- that, that, you know, you wish you had thought of and you wish you could have done. And he's everything that you want to be and that he's everything that you want to be able to do. And I just find that so accessible and so funny. And I really love The Mask. <laughs> so that's my number three. And I think it's really relatable. Well said. That was like all the things I said except much better. Okay. Um, all right. You guys love the mask. That's good. Uh, so, I'm going next with a movie that uh, I think is really good. Uh, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm such a downer on this list. <laughs> I again, I don't love this movie as much as some do, but it's really strong. And I think the movie maybe does a little more heavy lifting than Carrie does. But I give Carrie a lot of credit for keeping pace with uh, a strong director. And a strong cast, including Laura Linney and 
uh, Laura Linney. <laughs> and um, she's fundamentally <laughs> decent, I know. No, no, and uh, Toby Emmerich and whoever else. Uh, but I, that's the Truman Show. Um, yep. And um, yeah, no, no. I mean, uh, this one, I guess I I normally don't even like it that much when Carrie does his like over the top family man shtick, and a little bit of that comes into movies like Liar Liar and Bruce Almighty, and I feel it's the least effective part of those movies. Um, but in this case, the end result is so strong. And I guess I'm making a point here that just as much as I give credit to an actor for taking a script and running with it, I also give a lot of credit to an actor for keeping back behind their director and knowing what the fuck to do. So props to Carrie for that. I think it was a growth moment for him. And it's a good performance. So Truman Show. Yeah, Truman Show's my number uh, two. Um for lots of reasons, but I'm pretty sure Sess is number two or one as well. So I'll probably let her get to that because <laughs> I can't think talk now. <laughs> well, um, my my number one and number two are basically interchangeable. So I'm just going to pick the one that, you know, falls a little bit below the radar. Um Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is my number two. Um, and uh, again, I'm going to get back into like things that I find infinitely relatable. Um, whether it's because I'm neurotic or crazy in some way, I don't know. But Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind um, is a very g- great performance from Jim Carrey. And also has a really good like cast outside of that, as does my number one. Um... And I just, I just find it to be something that is infinitely relatable and that I can relate to both the main male protagonist and the main, feel, fe- main female protagonist speaks hugely to me. Um, I like him as much as I like her. Uh, so we're talking about uh, um, Jim Carrey and, uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on her name. Somebody help me out. Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet. Uh, is also phenomenal in this as sort of like a deflection of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And she actually does lampshade this by saying, look, I'm not going to save you. Uh, People look at me and they think that, you know, I'm going to like give them a new life or whatever. And she's just not going to do that. But she is a real human character. She's very likable. And so is he. Um, But he does kind of view her in that way. And I think that, that it is critiquing that. Um, so, you know, I find both characters to be really relatable. And then I find the, uh, the, the actual point of the film, which is that your relationships are something that you should learn from and not want to, you know, get rid of no matter how painful it might be to have them end. I think that's like a really important thing for you to learn, particularly like when I saw it as like a 20 something where I was just like, you know, this is like just so so important for me to see somebody else like reiterating this story like you would never never want to get rid of that whether you're a manic pixie dream girl that's not or you're some guy that's like looking for guidance like you can eventually learn from that story that you know you weren't getting the thing that you wanted and maybe you can grow from that so um i really really like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind i think it has a really good message and I think it lampshades a lot of tropes that it probably should, you know, address. Um, so it, you know, it does call attention to the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. 
at the same time having her exist, but then also having her be self-aware enough to go, look, I'm not that thing. So, you know, maybe this isn't my favorite Jim Carrey performance, but I think it's like a really great female performance that, you know, has him reacting to her in a way that is very realistic. So um, there you go. <laughs> my number two. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have the same one. I mean, uh, you know, I'll say with I'm pretty sure without a doubt it's the best movie Jim Carrey's been a part of. Um, I don't wet blanket again i don't think he's at the same level as kate winslet giving the best performance of her career which she's doing next to him agreed um but he he is very good in it and he completely keeps pace in his best movie yet which has so many other things going on you've got you know an oscar-winning andy not andy (laughs) charlie kaufman script (laughs) you've got uh some really great direction from michelle gondry and as I said, you've got Kate Winslet giving the performance of her career. And so he does not at all get lost in the shuffle of that. And he, he helps that. He helps that along. Yep. And it is the best movie he's been a part of as an actual movie. Uh, so, yeah. And, and, you know, it's the kind of subtle, quieter work I'd like to see more of out of him because I know he can do his rubber man thing. Yeah. And as um, a Charlie Kaufman surrogate, I want to say he does a really good job. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's Eternal Sunshine is a really great movie. Um, so yeah, that's that's a really fine performance from Carrie. That's my number two. That's my number one, and I feel like you two have just said so much about it that I couldn't possibly bring in a unique. It's your number on one. It. You have to add something. Ah, uh, this is just yeah. very relatable. I understand. Joel well, Barrich. talk a little bit about what we didn't. Um, you know, even if it's just like filmically, how beautiful it was, or you know, how dreamlike it was. It really good i know you have thoughts i don't know i'm tired (laughs) (laughs) come on just something Uh, i like how (laughs) there are but this doesn't have anything to do with his performance although just has some brady already covered that but when he's in the car and it's the beginning of the movie and it could easily be the beginning of the movie but it's actually the end of the movie and stuff like that. Okay, <laughs> so that was your number one? That's my number All one. Right. My number one, um, while interchangeable with Eternal Sunshine, um, my number one, because it is such a uh, a piece of his own work, um, Truman Show. And this also falls into my top three. I even folded my paper so I could look at them together. Um, my top three very much encompasses things that I can relate to. And one of the things that I think that as a neurotic white person dealing with being crazy in very, very accessible ways, uh, Truman Show, (laughs) what if my life were a television program that everyone were watching? And that this is just like such a solipsistic thing to think. But I think that everyone has had those thoughts, particularly like, you know, in their in our younger years. Um, we've all kind of had that moment where we go, what if our life was a TV show? And this movie like perfectly encapsulates what that would be like while giving you a, a, a main character that is is so, so sympathetic and at this at the same time so oblivious for a lot of the movie like what's going on around him and then when he starts to figure it out you're just rooting so hard for him because you are him and um i just i just find the the ability to 
relate to characters like this to be so refreshing and so interesting that I think that his per- his performance was great um, and it was subtler than most of the things that, that you would anticipate from him. He really surprised me in the role because, it, you know, I was used to seeing him as Jim Carrey. And in this, he just shows up out of the blue being like subtle but funny and a straight man but not. And everything about this movie and particularly his performance is so interesting and so thought-provoking if you're 12. And... <laughs> You know, I just, I really like it, and it's, you know, maybe it's self-centered of me to really like it, but it is, it is my top number one, number one or number two performance from him, and also a really, really great movie that I could probably re-watch a thousand times. So, Truman Show. Truman Show. Uh, Okay. Uh, My number one is... um, Honestly, for me, this isn't even close. Uh, Truman Show and Eternal Sunshine, I think, are the best movies he's been a part of. Yes. Uh, but this is a movie I also like an awful lot. Uh, would easily be the number three movie he's ever done. And I think, uh, for me, it's it's the pinnacle of both Carrie not completely tamping down what makes Carrie Carrie, Carrie getting to be animated. You know, I don't want to see him completely <laughs> robbed of, of his peculiar gifts. But as hey. I said, I do want to see them channeled into something focused. And he's never, ever been more focused or more funny to me, frankly, than in Man, Man on, the, on moon. the Moon. Yeah, it's honestly, it's the clear apex for me. It's weird to me that that's not on my list. It probably should be, num- away, be my number seven. number one performance. It uh, really is good. And, you know, and it's uh, an underrated, a really, really underrated film to me, too. Um, that, you know, avoids the trap of biopic-itis by actually being a really, really loving tribute to the world of, of comedy, which is something Carrie's a part of. So it's it's even touching in a way to see him paying tribute to a, a great comedian. And, you know, I want him to find that kind of focus again. I actually want to take my li- <laughs> like hearing you say this. Okay, Lemony Snicket off the list. Number seven, Man on the Moon. <laughs> right. Ta-da! Sorry, Lemony Snicket on gets a loving number eight. Made right. my sister cry. All right. It's it was a really good movie, and now good. that you're reminding me of it, like very touching, very good performance, and man, can he play the bongos? Quite right. Abu Dhabi. Time to uh, time to go. We gotta go, man. All, right. All of you, get out of here. Good one, get out of here. Goodbye. No following. Bring it, bitch. <laughs>